Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. What are you thankful for this morning? Oh, what am I thankful for this morning? Dude, I just... I've just been having long days. I've just yes. been getting up early, getting home late. Um, you know, I fin- and this is because of food pharmacy, food right? Food pharmacy, Bible work, just everything. Like I, I, I've been super flat out with work, which is a great thing. There have been times, you know, it, it, it's actually terrible to not be busy at work. Yes, unless you worked. It, it depends if you work a menial like job that you don't care about then it's great like when i was working in a servo and it wasn't busy bro it's like the best thing ever i put my headphones in and listen to podcasts and do whatever i want but you know with the work that i'm doing at the moment when you care about the work when there's when you feel like there's so much to do and then there's some limiting factor then it's like oh this is terrible but at the moment i'm just like i'm getting home every night like late i'm waking up every morning early and i'm feeling good i'm feeling good That's about awesome. it because i'm like things, i'm glad that you are young done yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm not living your life right now. <laughs> Dude, last night, what, what was the last thing I did? I actually got home early, but then I had a number of Bible studies that I, I did just from from home on Zoom. And then uh, I finished a prayer meeting at 9 p.m. And, and then I went to bed. So, and you crashed. And I just... And that was after we did deliveries for, for uh, we do a uni food drive for exams. And so I had, oh, oh and I got um, all of the, uh, all the faraway people. So I was down in Morissette and up in Mayfield and just, just traveling all around Newcastle, wow. dropping food off out to Mount Hutton. If you know the Newcastle area, it's like basically every corner of Newcastle. And then drove home, did Bible studies, had prayer meeting, went to sleep. It was, it was great. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> they say that the the sleep of a hardworking man is sweet. It is. Oh, dude, it was. It was one of those moments where I, I couldn't check my phone. I couldn't do anything. I just crashed. It was awesome. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Fantastic stuff. Let's talk about some positively different news. Positively different news. So I've got a little bit of an ancient architecture slash ruins slash building slash ancient things theme today uh, in, a, in a little sense. Um, and we're going to, our first place we're going to be going to is India because I just read an article that was put out that was all about how um, in India they still use, well, they're beginning to use more and more the ancient step wells that existed there, which if you haven't seen them are the most incredible in crazy looking things you've ever seen. So these are massive holes in the ground, essentially that yes. they're a well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens is, is like around the well uh, and it like kind of tapers in and then there's all these like steps that goes up and down. And so the water runs under the step and it's like a method of like cleaning the water before it gets down to the well at the bottom. Wait, 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 wait. So I thought a well was something where the water comes up from the bottom. Yeah. But this is water going down into the well. This catches rainwater. So this is a well that catches rainwater, not a yeah. – so it's like a tank. Yes. But then it also like – Like a cistern. Yes. But at the same time, it also like like you said, because it, it cleans water on the way down. Yes, yes. Going into it via the steps. Via the steps, absolutely. But then it also like they dig them deep so that they can pull water up from the bottom as well because of the big problem in India is like lots of drought and famine and population. 
Okay, so it kind of makes. I'm sort of wrapping my head about wrapping my head around this. Just, so just basically, you've got a well, right? So you got a well, uh-huh. and, and they get clean water out of the bottom. But when it rains, you get dirty water going in because it's running off of the the countryside and flowing into the well. And you cleanse that water by making the water run over steps. Yes, because we all know that water that is running through rapids, water that is running in a river that you know goes through rapids, is going to be you know infinitely cleaner because mm. it's aerated and that kind of kills all the bugs that are in it. It's the most effective way of cleaning right. water. So if you're ever out um, somewhere in the bush and you want to drink water, drink on the bottom end of the rapids where the cleanest water will be. This is something I've always been taught since I was like three years old. Yeah. Well, these like, if you look at these structures from ancient India, they're just intense. Like, I'm just showing um, that is a picture insane. at the moment. That's like so many steps and levels and that's intricacy off the charts. Like, these are ancient architectural, like, designs that have... And that's huge. It's massive. That, that would have been put in it's by like hand. like a house this in is, the middle of it. Like this, a three-story house yeah, over the middle of it. This is before industrialization. This is before I've everything. Never seen these. these are incredible. If you want to look these up on the internet, head over to, you know, just look up Indian step wells. Because there's plenty of places that I've been where I've seen, you know, giant cisterns that have been carved into the rock for mm. collection, collecting rainwater. A great example of that would be... You know, if you go to Masada in Israel mm. and you've got these enormous tanks and, you know, you look at them and the thought that goes through my mind every time I look at them and, you know, of course, you know, they they, they collect any kind of water that uh, that falls on that particular mountain is how do they stop that water from stagnating? That water would be pretty foul and polluted and gross because it just sort of sits there. Mm. You know, water that just sits there and, you know, gets a bit of sunlight on it. We all know what happens there. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, okay, you can take it take it out and boil it, I guess, but um, it's still not going to be great water, whereas this would actually give you really good, clean water. Good, clean water. And how long? How, how ancient are these things? Oh, these, like, they are all heritage, they are becoming heritage-listed sites. Um, they've been provided, a lot of these date back to around 1,500 years ago, so, um, and even further. And this is the thing, is that a lot of them are currently being excavated out to be used again. So, like this, you know, it's an ancient ruin site. Right. People, like, they were talking about one particular site where people had just piled it up with garbage and rubble and, because it's a big open space. And at the moment, they're digging it out. Um, because obviously, like, in terms of clean water and, and irrigation, all these different things, like, these have become relatively obsolete. Yes, but because you can do it with chemicals now. Yeah, you can do it with chemicals, but you can also, like, in terms of, yeah, just drainage and all kinds of things. Like, they, they don't need to have these big wells. But what they're doing now is that they're excavating sites out, you know, pulling all the rubble and everything out of it to be used because demand for water in India is continuing to increase. I mean, this is just looking at the photo of this. Is, this is th- picture something like this. It's about an acre across. Yeah. Right? And it goes down, and, and, and it's just an intricate, intricate pattern. Look at, look of, at this picture right here. Look at this one. Yeah, this, this is just how, bizarre. How deep is that? And it's just this intricate pattern of steps going every different direction you can mm. imagine in geometrical format, in, 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 in geometrical forms. And it looks just amazing. Yeah. And you can see how incredibly effective it would be because any water going in there is going to have to fall over so many, you know, it goes left and then it goes right and then it goes left and then it goes right and it's going all over all of these steps. It would just do an amazing job of purifying that water. Yeah, so I, I just thought that was so interesting that these are getting used, getting again, used again, ancient technology being brought to the forefront. And now, actually, another story that I have about architecture where the exact opposite is happening. So ancient technology is being kind of made obsolete by 
by newer technology and by ancient technology. I mean more like architecture because the Greek government has struck a deal with Microsoft to essentially digitize the entirety of all, like, the Greek ruins and to, yeah, make this into, like, a virtual world that then if you go to the sites, they give you these, like, holographic augmented reality glasses that you put on and you can walk around and see what the world was like back in the ancient time, like in ancient Greece, which is super cool. And so what they're doing at the moment is like Microsoft, they um, bought an AI firm recently and they started this initiative called, you know, the ancient, ancient world AI initiative or something like that, where they're literally just scanning all these things and then taking information from, from books and, you know, from records that they have and building up these cities these, the, well, the, uh, ancient Greece here, Athens is the first one, you know, where they've got like... Oh, I would so love to do this. The, the ancient Olympic Colosseum and the temples of Zeus and, and, and all these different things. They're, they're building them all up. And you can get like a mobile app on your phone, which you can kind of hold around and look through it like a camera and do it like that. Or you get these glasses and you just like walk around ancient and you Greece. See, you see what it actually used to look yeah. like. Yeah. And I was reading this and I'm like, you know where they need to do this? Jerusalem. No, you know where they need to do this? Where? Persopolis. Where's that? Iran. Uh, is that Babylon? No. Oh, where? What's it's just amazing. It's just a cool place. It's just, it's just like <laughs> the most amazing place you've ever been to. And you walk around it and you have, you know, you'll have one or two just giant, enormous pillars standing. Mm. And you can see on the ground where there used to be a massive palace, basically a palace complex. Yes. It was like a royal retreat mm. kind of thing where the, the royal family would go for, you know, uh, six months of the year, whatever, when they wanted to go on a holiday. Mm. And, uh, you, and, and, you, and you just sort of look at it and wonder, what would this place have looked like? Now, Jerusalem, if they did the temple in Jerusalem? Yes, that's exactly where my man, mind went. That would be sensational. So I'm, I'm just like, dude, because I'm like, yeah, Greece is cool, but what about the really cool things? And I would like, dude, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And yeah, Babylon Mal- would be a cool oh, place. That would be so epic, bro. Babylon would be so much work because it was so huge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's some cool sites. Oh, wow. Because I'm one of these kind of people, you know, there's this big debate in archaeology. You know, do we rebuild stuff mm. back to what it used to be? Uh, you know, say for instance in, in Athens, you know, they, the the big temple of uh, what is it, Zeus up there on top of the, mm. um, you know, it was blown up by gunpowder, you know, because they had gunpowder stored in it in like the, the First World War or one of those wars back then, I can't remember which, and accidentally went off and a whole bunch of it blew up. And so, you know, the ruin that you see today is nothing like as spectacular as the ruin that you would have used to been able to see. And so, the big debate is: do we fix it or do we leave it? Mm. You know, in archaeology, do you fix the thing or do you leave the thing? And this solves it for both people because there are, for those who like to fix it, put on the glasses. Those who like to see it as is, take the glasses off. <laughs> problem solved right there. Dude, this Loving is, this. Modern problems require modern solutions and that's exactly what we're seeing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We probably should talk about some more serious news. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Haiti. Recently we spoke to uh, Pastor John Boston, who was in mm-hmm. Haiti. Of course, John Boston worked here locally with both Lawson and myself on a number of projects in the past. And uh, as a result of uh, you know some of the crises, he was over in Haiti doing some charitable work there, and we were able to interview him. 
well, things have just deteriorated since then. Mm. And I'm sure you've heard about in the news 17 missionaries uh, some weeks ago that were captured by a gang and are being held uh, for <laughs> hostage, which is uh, just rough. You know, and it's basically one of those situations. They've gone to Haiti to do their thing, you know, like John Boston did mm. or like we did when we went to Ethiopia, whatever. Um, you, you go there, you do your thing, they all pile onto a bus and they're heading to the airport. You know, we did that. When we were in Ethiopia, mm. there's like all of us jammed onto a bus like sardines in a can and uh, driving to the airport and they just get held up by gunmen and carted off as hostages and that's it. We haven't seen or heard from them since. That's terrible. Except for the people that are holding them hostage who are asking for, you know, a million dollars a head. Wow. You know, and some often what you find in the, a lot of these developing countries with people that have never actually been outside of the developing countries, they kind of look at the wealth that we have. You know, you turn up and, you know, you've got an iPhone or something or other, and they just assume that if you're going to have something like that, then obviously you have many multi-millions of dollars. They don't really have a concept of money in a developed country. Yeah, that's right. And like that, you know, we're going over there. And I was, I spent like all my money on the plane ticket to go to Ethiopia. Yeah, that's right. I was like, dirt Lawson was, <laughs> Lawson was so broke in Ethiopia <laughs> that he barely could eat. And, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. So, but, but because you come from a, you know, hey, we, yeah. we, we know how this goes. Mm. And so often, you know, they can't understand, well, why couldn't you give us a million dollars a head? What's the big problem here? You know, whereas, mm. you know, if you and I were, taken captive on that bus on the way back to Addis Ababa and they asked a million dollars per head, none of us have got families that can raise that kind <laughs> <No>. of money. <laughs> no. We would still be captives over yeah. there. But anyway, um, the United States has just urged all of the US citizens in Haiti to leave the country now. Mm. Leave now. And the reason that they're saying this is that they're saying, if you do not leave now, we will not be able to help you. Mm. Now, when the U.S. steps in and says, we can't help you, then you know things are getting pretty bad because the U.S. is the kind of country that will send an aircraft carrier and fleet of uh, ships to drag one of their citizens out, mm. whereas Australia's like, oh, do we have people over there? Oh, that's bad. Um, <laughs> that's about as far as it goes. Uh, and basically what this comes down to is a number of factors, fuel shortages, and so basically what they're saying is even if we are in country, we can't procure the fuel that we need to be able to travel to, 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 to transport you to the airport to get you out. Mm. Um, and that's going to make it impossible to travel. Um, then the next one that they're mentioning is no access to banks because the banks are all closing down. And so there's no access to money so that you can't purchase any kind of travel. You can't purchase an airfare. You can't do anything because the banks are just simply not operating. Um, there is no medical care available in the country. Um, there is no reliable internet or telecommunications. And uh, there is no public transport that is operating. And they're expecting that uh, what internet and telecommunications there are that do exist are going to collapse imminently. This and sounds so, dystopian. And so, that, and so they won't. It's very dystopian. And so they won't even be able to contact you, and you won't be able to contact the United States to even find out where you are to render any kind of assistance. And so basically, they're saying if you do not leave now, we will not be able to provide assistance. Mm. So, yeah, this is a really dystopian uh, situation. Attacks are continuing on people of significance and, sadly, in that culture, pastors are seen as people of significance. Yes. Um, one pastor yesterday 
was uh, driving home, was attacked by a gunman. He was shot. One of his sons was killed. Another one was wounded. Um, and these kind of things are happening on a on a daily basis. The United Nations, which has staff over there, have urged their workers to stock up on all supplies where possible because they don't know when they'll be able to resupply. And over half the country is now in the control of gangs. Mm. And so when you look at a country collapsing and when you look at anarchy taking place, and you know, even if you look at Ethiopia right now, they have a civil war. Mm-hmm. Civil war is kind of the first step of a country turning towards anarchy. Mm. A level down from that would be some of the countries around Ethiopia where they have warlords. Yes. And so that's a situation where you have you know, not just civil war, but you've got a number of very, very large warlords who have private armies. Mm. The bottom of the rung, total anarchy, is gang warfare. Yeah. And when gang warfare takes over and nobody knows who belongs to who and which gang is in control and these are just small groups of people that do not have long-term political aims, they just are out to steal and kill and eat, then you know you're dealing with the highest level of anarchy and Mm. collapse of government that there is. And so we really need to be praying for the situation in Haiti that's a very, very dire situation. We need to be praying for the missionaries that are over there. We need to be praying for the churches that are over there that continue to operate in this uh, very difficult situation. Uh, Haiti is uh, has always had this kind of a history, although it's probably worse now than it has been for a while. But you know, this is a country that has ex- existed for over 200 years. It's the only nation in history formed by a slave rebellion. Wow. And it's been so bad, the United States, of course, has occupied the country twice back in 1915, 1934. Uh, but it has become a country of coups, assassinations, um, brutal regimes, natural disasters, economic collapse. It is the lowest human development of any nation in the Americas. So we really need to pray for this place. It is an absolute uh, disaster what is happening there. However, having shared that story with you, I thought we would sh- we would finish on a positive note. Okay. And so we're going to talk about a baby. All right. So let's have a baby story. Uh, this is Curtis Zykeith Means. Mm-hmm. It's his name. Um, he just left, left hospital. He spent a year in hospital. And oh, that wow. was after being born at 21 weeks and one day old. That is intense. Setting the Guinness World, World Guinness Book of Records, he weighed 419 grams or 14.8 ounces when he was born. So that's like tiny. That's like something you'd put in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Um, and so he was born after uh, 147 days in the womb, 132 days short of being full term. Wow. So only just past the halfway mark. Sadly, uh, he was a twin, and his sister passed away after one day. Um, he was born in the University of Alabama Hospital in Birmingham, and he just left hospital yesterday, and so that qualifies him to go in the Guinness World Book of Records, which is just an amazing story. And, you know, it really gives us great courage, particularly when we think of, you know, um, People trying to, you know, scientists or whatever trying to decide, you know, when does life begin? Mm. And the whole abortion debate, you know, these kinds of issues come up. This is a great argument for pro-life right here because, you know, being able to live outside of the womb Mm. when you're only halfway there, 
That is absolutely remarkable. And to go home as a healthy little baby boy, what a great story. We can praise mm. God for that one. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Fantastic stuff. Well, joining us on the phone this morning, Lawson is your boss. Really? Yes. Oh, which one? <laughs> this is a really good question. God? Okay. <laughs> no, one of the one of the other ones, but uh, Camilla Scaff, welcome to the oh, show. Awesome. Good morning. It's always good to be here. And I think especially this morning where I get to talk about something that has been a dream of mine and a passion as well. Is that right? Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. Camilla. We are so excited to have you on the show today. I just want to say congratulations. And I also want to say I'm just shocked that you're still on your feet. <laughs> yeah, after, I mean, anyone that has ever started a uh, cafe, restaurant, or any hospitality business really will know that in the first few months, you just get no sleep. It's like getting a newborn, you know? Uh, so just because I had a newborn a year ago, I think my body still feels like he knows what to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And and, and uh, for those of you who don't realize, of course, Camilla Scaff is heading up the food pharmacy where Lawson has been working when he hasn't been working here. Amongst his, how many jobs have you got at the moment? What, three jobs uh, at the yeah. moment? Yeah, man. So Bible work, food pharmacy, Faith FM radio. Lawson is just out there, uh, out there going for it. Get but, it done. But probably not. To, he's been talking about his long days, but I imagine you've been doing some what twenty-hour days. as You've been getting this thing up and running, Camilla. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes more than uh, twenty hours a day, sixty-four hours. Yeah, pretty much it's fair. But you know, I do have to say that I wouldn't be able to do any of these if it wasn't for people like Lawson. Like Lawson's been amazing and a huge help for us. And we have a team as well that, um, you know, they're just being fantastic. It's not only a job for them. It's a mission. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. And I think the energy that everybody contributes and brings together and the positivity, really, you know, the sense of mission and purpose is what gets us going. So it's, um, it's a good kind of stress to have for a short period of time. And obviously, we don't want to live on that schedule forever. But it's, it's just an injection of boost and zest and just seeing people coming into the food pharmacy and learning what food pharmacy is all about. It really inspires us. And lots of will know a little bit of that. And uh, I heard that you even tried our food yesterday, Lyle. Is I right? did. I did. I had food pharmacy for dinner last night. Uh, producer Shell came in after the uh, drive show that she produces and she went into food pharmacy. She ordered food for herself and she ordered food for me. So I had oh, I had a salad you. bowl. I think it was like an Asian salad bowl and I had brown lentil soup and it was just absolutely amazing. It was it was true. Camilla, congratulations. This food was just outstanding. And, Amen. And, and this is this is even after <laughs> even after it's taken you know forty minutes or whatever um, to get all the way back to my place, and it was still just uh, sensational. So that was that was fantastic. And of course, Shell, you know, she was there, so she was able to order some extras. Um, I can't remember. Ex- Shell, uh, producer Shell, what was it that you actually had that? Um, I had the chai latte um, with the coconut ice cream. It was oh. to die for. It was super yummy. <laughs> there you go. It is. So the chai latte, and just I wanted to mention that all of our drinks are are 100% decaffeinated and they are freshly brewed or made um, in our establishment. 
And some of them that are roasted outside of there are roasted on local roasteries and that are also on a weekly basis. So everything is fresh. And I think that's why it brings that fragrance and the flavors as well as all the nutrients that uh, make people happy. Yeah, and you know, when I had the the salad, one of the things that really stood out to me was the quality of the salad because so often, you know, you stop into one of these um, chain restaurants to grab a salad sandwich or whatever, and the you can tell the salad is just you know it's been in the fridge for a very very long time and it's kind of got the yellow edges on it, that kind of stuff. And okay, it's still green and it's still salad, but yours is was very very clearly fresh. It was just yeah, it was it was it was sensational stuff. It was really really. Top class, Camilla. So congratulations. Well done. Oh, I'm excited that you enjoyed that. And this is what we want to bring to the community. I think that food pharmacy is all about making healthy foods accessible and not only tasty, because this is definitely one of our main focus, is to make healthy foods tasty, but also accessible. Lots of people may think that it's hard to find healthy foods. So, for example, when I had my kids and I was driving around, uh, sometimes I, you know, you have a baby sleeping or you've got your kids, a uh, car full of kids, and or even you're driving around with no kids, but you don't really want to stop to a place and get out and order something and wait. Um, and one of the things that we are going to offer, and it's starting in the beginning of December, is that we are going to have a, a stop through. It's almost like a drive through. You come in and you stop your car and. All you have to do is to order before you get there, and then your food or your drink will be ready to go, and we'll bring it to you to the car. So it's really exciting because I feel like when I was driving around, sometimes the only choice was McDonald's, and I just refused to get unhealthy foods. But I just felt like, oh, what do I get? A drink that is healthy, that doesn't have any caffeine at 3.30 in the afternoon, and there was no choice. So a lot of what we did was thinking about that accessibility, about um, getting people nourished, but at the same time giving them pleasure when they eat it or drink it. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to say this, Camilla, because uh, this is what I've heard, Um, and and, and some people might be thinking, yeah, you know, Lyle Lyle knows Camilla, he knows Lawson, he knows the people that are working at this, and so maybe he is, you know, tempted to overstate just how good food pharmacy is, but my understanding is that um, you've done ex- you've done a soft launch, and in that first week or so of that soft launch, you guys have done exceptionally well with the general public, like lots of people walking in and making um, you know just amazing comments coming back um, and supporting what's happening there. That's right. I mean, we feel really blessed because we didn't advertise the opening because we wanted to test the flow first. We are a very small team. Um, and we're a small cafe as well. So we didn't expect, you know, to be able to get all the crowds at once. And so this month, we're really doing a soft launch. And the only people that knew about the launch, it was the people from Attune and the people that are friends that follow us on Instagram or social media, because we started sharing some posts and just building some content on our social media channels. Um, and it's just been amazing to see. I think one of the best things is to see people that are coming from day one and they're still coming every day and they're repeating the foods that they had before. So that's to me as a chef, as somebody who's making food and tasting the food, I think that's amazing. You want people to come back and have the same food. That means that they really liked it. And the other thing is that um, we estimated the uh, average sales to be lower than what it has been. But apparently people are just really 
thirsty and looking for healthy food because they get there and they don't even know what to get. And they ended up getting lots of things to take home and have for dinner and buy books and other things that they can eat that support their health. And at the end of the day, they start, you know, they spend like more than $50. Things are not expensive, but it adds up. And, uh, but they feel like, okay, you know what, this is worth it because I'm investing in my health and I'm going to have food for three days at home. So I think those are things that are really doing well. And, um, as, you know, as someone who sees this as a mission to share goodness to other people, I get excited with people that come in there and say, you know what, Camila, when I go out to eat, I get heartburns or I just feel like my gut doesn't like the food that I have, especially when it comes to whole food. Um, whole grains, legumes, and all of the things that are part of a whole food plant-based diet. But when I come here to food pharmacy and I have these meals, I just feel absolutely fantastic. There are no heartburns. I'm sleeping better. Some people that ate there three days in a row even said that they lost weight and they were thinking clearer. So that's like absolutely fantastic. It's definitely inspiring to me and to all of my team. Yeah, that's 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 just absolute. Now, now tell us a little bit about um, Camilla. Tell us a bit a little bit about Attune because you're located. Um, for those of you who aren't wondering whereabouts is this, how can I go there? Of course, for many of our listeners, you will only be able to be able to go there when you come to Newcastle. But that's great because it's a great excuse to come to Newcastle. But uh, what is it, fifty two Ada Street, I believe it is in Newcastle, and you're part of an, a, a complex there that is all focused on good health called Attune. What's what's that all about, and why did how did food pharmacy actually end up there? That's right. So um, you said the address correctly. And for anyone that wants to know a little bit more about us and our address and everything else, we have a website that you can also uh, find on Google. It's www.foodpharmacy.com.au. And you can get access to our social media as well. But the Tune Health Centers is an actually um, integrative medicine uh, center. It's a different way and an innovative way of doing healthcare because it combines professionals like GPs, specialists, dentists, naturopaths, osteopaths, you name it. They've got dietitians, psychologists, and there's so many types of professionals, pretty much all of the health professionals in allied health in one complex. So we like to say it's a one-stop shop. Besides at the food pharmacy, which is an eatery and a coffee shop, we also have the Healthful Pantry that is located at Atune as well. And you would be just able to buy all kinds of organic health, um, you know, health food store uh, type of items that you find it there. So we are hoping that people can come there and get a massage, see one of the health professionals and eat good food. So it's definitely one uh, destination place to go to Newcastle if you have a chance. Yes, it certainly does. It's kind of like almost sounds like a uh, a health spa, but more comprehensive than your average health spa, where you just go get your massage, you know, go away feeling good. This sounds sounds like you can actually go there and you can talk to a GP and talk about more serious stuff, or you can talk about you know emotional issues that you might be dealing with. Um, and of course, you know, food pharmacy is going to be central to that because good food has so much to do with good a good quality of life so um yeah, yeah. sounds sounds amazing now how did how did how did you guys actually get to be a part of this i mean obviously somebody's come up with this vision let's let's have this one stop shop yeah. how did how did how did you camilla 
end up uh, starting food pharmacy there? Okay, so about five years ago, when I uh, first arrived into Newcastle, I moved here about six years ago. So five years ago, um, I and my husband and I, we founded Newcastle, uh, Seeds Newcastle, which is a, a charity. It's a health promotion charity, focuses uh, in heart and mental health. And at the time, we were looking for people to be part of the board, people that were influential in the community and passion for health and lifestyle medicine. And I heard of this guy, Simon Ashley, which is the owner of Atune and the founder of Atune. Um, and we, I heard of him. I was introduced to him actually by a friend that worked, worked there, a naturopath, Renee Livingston, one of my best friends. And, um, yeah, we just clicked off. Like when Simon and I met, we were talking about our journeys and what got us to be passionate about lifestyle and to about health and how we wanted to uh, innovate healthcare. And uh, we had about a two-hour meeting, and we pretty much shared each other's vision. And one of my visions was um, to bring, um, especially food, you know, eating, like nutrition, into how in how that impacts health, and to bring that educational component as well as accessibility to good food to people. And at the time, it was actually going to be through Seeds Newcastle, um, and then later on. We just uh, just thought, you know what, this uh, vision for food pharmacy is uh, much greater than just uh, local, you know, Newcastle and New South Wales, because Simon also has a vision to grow the Atune network. And so all of these projects are really uh, pilots that we want to um, share, you know, with, um, you know, everyone, with the humanity, because we think that, you know, these are stories that we want to compile about transformation and not only about uh, healthcare, but about people, people's stories. And um, so that's kind of how it, it, it went. I actually, I came here to Newcastle, by the way, because I was invited by the uh, Adventist Church um, to be um, community and culture developers in Newcastle. And at the time, the president of the conference, Justin Lohman, um, the North and South West Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, he just wanted to be able to bless the community with the gifts and with the blessings that God has given us through the health message and through the gospel, through Jesus Christ. So that was how uh, we got here. And I think my passion for food has always existed. I went, I actually studied professionally plant-based chefing, and uh, I just love food, and I love sharing through food. People that know me, they know that one of my favorite things is to invite people to eat in my house. And so having food pharmacy is just an extension of that and training people like Lawson and like um, other people that we are hiring on our team to do the same, to cook good food, to eat good food and to share it. Camilla Scaff, we are absolutely inspired by your story and what you've got happening over there at Food Pharmacy. We wish you all of God's blessings. And I just want to encourage anybody in the Newcastle, Hunter, Central Coast, uh, whatever region to stop by Food Pharmacy and anyone else who is traveling through the Newcastle area. Of course, uh, Christmas is coming up, a time period when hopefully we'll be able to uh, do a lot more travel than normal. Uh, anybody who's traveling through, make sure that you stop in and visit the guys at Food Pharmacy. And of course, you can find them at uh, online, just Google Food Pharmacy and uh, you'll and we're find all the details. With deliveries as well. We're starting with deliveries as well on Uber Eats uh, from next week. So people that don't live too far away will be able to also get a delivery from in their house. That is absolutely amazing. So there you go. You've got the story about food pharmacy. We're going to move on with the show right now. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.